You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Politics is really about how we as a community choose to distribute resources and power among people and groups of people. And she goes on to say, therefore, there's no opting out of it. We're, we're either the target of others' political engagement or we're choosing to instead help shape that distribution. And Jesus, remember, taught distributive justice. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 263 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is A Prayer for Debts Cancelled. We're still looking at uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, and our feature text is Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This week, I want to uh, look at a, a portion of this prayer that has evolved, and, and that portion is the portion on forgiveness. To the best of our knowledge, Matthew's version is much earlier than Luke's, and we'll see the significance of this in, in just a moment. But before Matthew's uh, version, many scholars believe that the earliest version of this prayer from Saints Gospel Q 11, 2 through 4, was when you pray, say, Father, your name be kept Holy, let your reign come. Our day's bread give us today and cancel our debts for us, as we too have canceled for those in debt to us. In the earliest version of this prayer, I want you to notice the specific economic quality to it. It's about canceling the debts of, of those who are indebted to us and in hopes that the, the debts that we have will also be, be canceled. And there's there's quite a bit of history behind this. The Torah taught that every seventh year in Jewish society, all debts were to be canceled. This is Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 4. At the end of every seventh year, you must make a remission of debts. And this is how it is to be made. Everyone who holds a pledge shall return the pledge of the person indebted to him. He must not press a fellow countryman for repayment, for the Lord's year of remission has been declared. There will never be any poor among you if only you obey the Lord your God by carefully keeping these commandments, which I lay upon you this day. And there were also strict warnings to lenders as they watched that seventh year approaching and in case they thought they, they could not make loans at all rather than, than make loans that would soon be canceled. This is Deuteronomy 15, 9 through 10. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Now, we've discussed at length before uh, Rabbi Hillel's prosbol, which was a way in Jesus's day to, to solve the, the money lender's reluctance to, to loan with the seventh 
month you're approaching. And I'm going to recommend to you two e-sites or podcasts where we've covered that. Uh, You can find them on our website, Renouncing One's Rights. I'll put links to it in this week's e-site and The Golden Rule. The the Prosbul was a a loophole where a loan uh, that was made just before the seventh year, it could be declared exempt from cancellation. And this loophole was Hillel's solution to the wealthy not wanting to to make loans that that less affluent farmers needed for survival when that seventh year was near. And and although Jesus taught very similar ethics to Hillel in almost all other areas, in this area, Jesus parted ways with Hillel, and he, he taught what the Torah had stated in Deuteronomy. Remember Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 5, and 9 through 10, what we just read. This is Matthew 5, 42. Do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. And also in uh, uh, Luke 6, 34 through 36, we find these words. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. So debt in the ancient world, it led to to slavery, it led to to poverty, it led to, to death. And in short, debt was a conduit of oppression. And Jesus chose to stand in the stream of of Jewish tradition that called for the liberation of the oppressed. And in Luke's gospel, Jesus's liberation is tied directly to this canceling of all debts, or or to put it in the language of, of his own Jewish culture, it was the year of the Lord's favor. This is Luke 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the year of the Lord's favor, that was the year that Deuteronomy 15.9 was talking about, that year for the canceling of debts. It was the year where there was to be a remission of all debts in Deuteronomy 15.1. And that year was a type of, it was a kind of wealth redistribution. It was a check on, on any system where the wealthy would just keep on getting wealthier while the poor kept on, on getting poorer. It was a safeguard against some having too much while many went without having enough. And if the Torah's economic teachings were followed, remember what it says in Deuteronomy 15, 4, poverty could have been eliminated. There need be no poor people among you, it says. And in Jesus's time, this aspect of the Torah was being disregarded and and violated outright or, or through Hillel's prosbul too. Jesus was calling for a return to a deeply Jewish practice. And you can understand why many of the wealthy elites of Jesus' society and and others of of privilege and power, why they combined their efforts to to have Jesus and his movement silenced. And this is the, the early form of the language of this prayer, this economic language which makes perfect sense given its its Jewish roots in the Torah, there's a telling evolution in the language that takes place next. In Matthew's gospel, the word forgive replaces the word cancel, yet the economic word for debt, it's still there. It still remains. Matthew 6, 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven 
our debtors. So there's a little bit of a change. There's still a, an economic flavor to it, but there's this word forgive placed in there too that, that could not be economic. It could be more relational. Once we get to Luke's gospel, which was written much later, the economic element of this prayer is wholly removed. It's absolutely absent. Uh, the prayer's application, it's been universalized in, instead of refer- referencing a specific economic situation. It now refers to just forgiving all sins. It says in Luke 11, 2 through 4, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. There is no more economic element here. And and Crossan, who who also sees the evolution of, of, of language here, he writes in his book, the, the Greatest Prayer, Rediscovering the Revolutionary Message of the Lord's Prayer. This is page 159 through 160. He, he writes, I have three conclusions from all of this textual activity. One is that debts was originally intended quite literally. Jesus meant that eternal peasant dyad of enough bread for today and no debt for tomorrow. Were it originally and clearly metaphorical, debts meaning sins, everyone would have understood that intention and the progression in terminology from debts to trespasses to sins would not have been necessary. Another is that from Mark through Matthew and into Luke, debts change to trespasses and then to sins. In its present format, therefore, it seems advisable to read Matthew's text as including both debt and sin, not debt alone, not sin alone, and certainly not sin instead of debt, but both together. Indeed, the ultimate challenge may be to ponder their interaction, and at least for the biblical tradition, what debt creates too much inequality, it becomes sinful. What we're being reminded of this week is that debt um, can be a type of exploitation. And and to curb this exploitation, the, the Torah did not permit debts to extend past seven years. The the language in this prayer um, that we're looking at this week, it, it, it that this language it changes as the followers of Jesus also changed, as the constituency of the Jesus movement changed, as the early movement of Jesus followers changes from illiterate to more literate, uh, from marginalized and impoverished to more centralized and affluent. This prayer also changes from the wealthy canceling debts to the violated forgiving perpetrators for sins committed against them. And these these changes um, you have to notice that they, they transfer the responsibility from those in power to those in a very different social location from them. When we consider the societal cone that that privileges and empowers some at the center and at the top of society, and it pushes others to the margins and the the undersides of society, and though that's a new imagery for you or a new thought for you, I'll put a link to where we've discussed this in length. Link. It's uh, called Pyramid Circles in a Shared Table, Jesus's Vision for Human Community, Part 1 and 2. But, but the original language of this prayer, it makes those at the center or at the top responsible for canceling the debts of those 
on the peripheries or further down the social hierarchy. And as that language evolves, it it risks now being co-opted by the elite and the responsibility is now placed on, on those on the margins or the undersides to simply forgive the injustice of their violators and their, their exploiters so that they too might be forgiven. It's almost like they're being held hot. Their, their own forgiveness is being held hostage And this removes the responsibility of creating a more egalitarian world of of canceling actual debts and redistributing wealth from those who would lose from from such changes. And it also takes, uh, it asks those that are being exploited by debt to simply forgive without the world or its structure being challenged or or being changed. And there's there's a lot to consider here, and there is also a lot of room for, for pause, Putting the world right, it includes not just forgiveness, but also reparations. To call for reconciliation without reparations, to to call for reconciliation solely on the basis of forgiveness, uh, forgiveness being exercised on the part of those who've been harmed, that's a special kind of oppression. It fails to to, to hold perpetrators accountable. It it, it fails to, to value and protect survivors, and it fails to work towards the transformation and the rehumanization of of perpetrators and and genuine healing for those that have been sinned against. Certainly Jesus taught forgiveness and we're not we're not saying that this week he taught forgiveness, but Jesus also called the wealthy like Zacchaeus and others to make reparations too and to focus solely on on one of these is to move away from a, a safer, just and compassionate world rather than than towards it. And to reemphasize what we focused on last week, the original language of this prayer, it shows a concern that the early Jesus followers had for, for people's temporal needs, as well as the spiritual and relational well-being of everyone. This prayer sees humanity as whole beings, again, in a very Hebraic fashion, rather than as divided people only impacted by the gospel in one aspect of their life. It's a holistic prayer. And I want to close this week with a story from Matthew where the focus on on monetary debt cancellation, it still remains. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment was to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slaves released him and forgave the debt. But the same slave, as he went out, he came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him by the throat, and he said, Pay what you owe. When his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Uh, He refused, and he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. 
When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. You should not should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. Today uh, that's Matthew eighteen twenty three through thirty four. To, uh, to, in the world we live in today, where where, where most of the globe is indebted to so called developed countries with with debts that are impossible uh, for them to pay off. Six people possess more wealth than the entire lower fifty percent of the world's population. And if we've come uh, to understand anything through this prayer, it's that. That we've come to the end in our world of of consider it like a monopoly game and it's time for a reset there are just six people who own the whole board it's time for a jubilee it's time for for debts to be canceled and 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 one way or another history proves that that this reset it will come and we can choose either a, a gentler path of of debt cancellation and wealth redistribution now or a more volatile path may occur where where many are hurt in the process and 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 whether whether uh, we can choose a gentle path now or a more volatile path will be be chosen for us in the future and historical resets they're cyclical and we can choose whether they come in a life-giving or a destructive form and what's clear is that our current path that we're on it's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable economically. It's not sustainable socially. It's not sustainable ecologically. So what does it mean this week to live in this world in such a way that the answer to Jesus's prayer is realized in Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors? What does it look like to live in harmony with that prayer. Heart group application. This week, I have a unique request of all of those in our heart groups. I believe that everyone who's listening to, to this will agree with me when I say that people matter. And that's why this week, I want to share with you why I believe politics also matters. But, but hang on just a second. How we define politics also matters. Here in America, we make what I believe is a mistake in how we define politics. Politics for too many, it just means parties or partisanship or lobbying or law. And while politics can include those things, I prefer how my friend Keisha McKenzie, how she defines politics. She states, politics is really about how we as a community choose to distribute resources and power among people and groups of people. And she goes on to say, therefore, there's no opting out of it. We're, we're either the target of others' political engagement, or we're choosing to instead help shape that distribution. And Jesus, remember, taught distributive justice. As a follower of Jesus, we too should, should care about how power and resources are distributed, because this distribution, it can concretely hurt 
people. And wherever we share space with other people, and as McKinsey says, where there are norms that that govern how we interact with each other, or even a budget that's that's governing common resources, there's just simply no way to be apolitical. There's no no such thing as a political neutrality that doesn't help the powerful or hurt or doesn't hurt the vulnerable. And when we understand this, that it's it's about distribution of power and resources, we can readily see why the the, the late theologian and activist Dorothy Soleil, she stated every theological statement must be a political statement as well. What does it mean as a tangent to, to, to believe in a God who, who causes the sun to shine on all and the rain to shine on all? Um, that's a political statement as well when we talk about resources. And recently I received an email from Reverend Dr. Catherine Rhodes Henderson. She, was president of, she is president of, of Auburn Seminary. And and she made the statement in this email, the separation of church and state is different from the separation of faith and public life. And and I couldn't agree with her more. The the separation of church and state, it's about keeping the state out of matters of religious conscience. And the separation of church and state is also about keeping the church from wielding the power of the state to enforce its own articles of faith. It does not mean that people of faith and goodwill cannot, in following Jesus, advocate alongside vulnerable communities calling for a just distribution of of resources and power. And this is why we here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we believe that politics is not simply about voting. It's all. It also must be combined with with movement building. The late Ron Dellums used to remind folks that that we need both movement building and people in office that can help support those movements. And I, I've witnessed this firsthand here in West Virginia. We spend countless hours building a movement for social change here in this state, only to have people in office obstruct those changes. And and the opposite is also true. We can elect solid people as public servants. Uh, But if there's not a movement for them to act on, uh, they have nothing to advocate for from the, the, the will of the people, so to speak. So those who desire an unjust distribution of resources, they are putting people in office who will act on their wishes. And again, there's just simply no way to opt out. We're either a participant in the discussion or we are a target of, of another person's agenda, which leads me to say that voting, given our, our current structure and especially for marginalized communities, yes, voting is only part of the process of shaping our world into a safe and compassionate just home for all, yet it is part of that process. So so this week, I want you to do something really simple. I want you to check your voter registration to make sure it's current. Make sure that it's still on the books. And if you're not registered, then do so. And this November, vote your values. Remember that at the end of the day, people matter and they will be concretely affected by the outcome of, of whatever transpires uh, this November. So also uh, encourage others to participate and vote. So we want to ensure that all our communities are truly represented. Remember, another world is possible. And as as Reverend Dr. Catherine Rhodes Henderson also shared, our work is to, quote unquote, trouble the waters. And remember, it's to heal the world. Remember, too, there's there's also still time to participate in Renewed Heart Ministries shared table fundraiser for the month of October. We've had a great response to that so far. And to, to find 
find out how you too can can join in, uh, go to renewedheartministries.com and just click on that that first link you see, a shared table, a fundraiser for Renewed Heart Ministries. And thanks for checking in with us this week. Right where you are, keep living in love, keep living in justice, in survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Keep engaging the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate home for everyone. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.